Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 40. Today, I'm going to answer a listener's question. And the question concerns, how can a believer know the voice of God, that inner voice, and know for certain that it is God and not the enemy of our souls? Well, that is an excellent question having to do with discerning the voice of God. It is clear as we read the scriptures that indeed the voice of God can be discerned by the child of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's in the gospel of John chapter 10 and verse 27. So how do we know and are able to discern the will of God through the voice of God? Well, in the Bible, there are many things that are given to us to help us to understand this. I want us to, first of all, look at Psalm 37. David had been fretting about those who prospered, who indeed were not following God. And over and over again, God ran him back to seeking him with all of his heart. As a matter of fact, he says in Psalm 37 and verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Now, the word Lord is all caps. Anytime you see all caps, that is the personal covenant name of God. It's called the Tetragrammaton because it is literally four letters. Since there are no vowels in Hebrew, the pronunciation has been lost. And over the years, the Jews will just say Hashem, the name, the Hebrew word, the name, Hashem. Or it will be translated Adonai, and that's the word for Lord, Sir, Mister, and that's capital L-O-R-D. O-R-D is in small case letters. And so it's just translated Lord, uh, and that's what... Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him sir, calling him mister. Charles Spurgeon's wife followed up on that and always called him out of respect, Mr. Spurgeon. But he says, trust in the Lord. That's all caps. That's the personal name of God. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And that's just God's admonition to stay where he puts you until he tells you otherwise and be content in that. And then he said, delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself in in the Lord himself, not in what he can do for you, not what he can give to you, not what he can perform for you, but delight yourself in him and him alone. And listen to this. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's not God telling us he's going to give us what we desire. But indeed, he will give us, if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, the very desires. He will give us what to desire, if you will. He will give us the very want-tos that are in our heart. And then he goes on to say in verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Why? Because it is the desire that he has put upon your heart. And when you commit to him, that means you're putting all of your trust, leaning on him, leaning into him. The word commit literally means to roll it upon something else. It's the idea of a man stooping beside a camel and taking the pack that's on his back, the load that's on his back, and shifting that to the camel. That's 
trust the idea of giving it to another. When you commit your way to the Lord, you trust also in him. He will bring whatever it is that he's put on your heart to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. That means that whatever it is that's the will of God is associated with righteousness and light. And then in verse 7, he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way. And then he goes on to admonish the psalmist not to get caught up in what God's doing in other people's lives or what's happening in other people's lives, but indeed what is happening in their own relationship with God. So let's examine that for a moment. How do you know when God's speaking to you? Well, sometimes it is hard to discern because the good and the better can be the enemy of the best. God has a perfect will for our lives, and sometimes that is step by step, or sometimes it's like a a road where there are two sides, but there may be 10 feet across. And so God lets you have latitude, but the direction is set, and God will let you walk a little bit this way and walk a little bit that way, but the boundaries and the markers are set. So the will of God is laid out, and he has a plan for every one of our lives. But sometimes on the way, God will speak to you, and he will speak directly to your spirit, and you will know that it's him. And uh, that happens most often when we are walking with him, when we are talking with him, when we are delighting ourselves in him, and he is the joy of our heart. When our wills and our lives are so intertwined in his, he begins to give us his thoughts, his mind on issues and matters and things concerning his goodness toward us and his direction for our lives. And uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, it's interesting that in chapter 7 and verse 7, the Lord says, Jesus himself said, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. Now, it's interesting that the word opened is not active. The word given is not active, but they're passive. In other words, you keep on asking and God himself, when it's time, will give you the answer. Seek and you will find. Now, that's active. That means that the seeking and the finding uh, are in the active voice. And then he says, knock and it will be open to you. And that doesn't mean just asking one time, seeking one time, knocking one time, but these are in the present. In other words, keep on doing it, continually doing. Now, sometimes you will hear the present uh, talked about in the continual present in the sense of someone will get up, professor will get up, maybe a Greek professor, and he'll draw a straight line and he will say, the present is always continuous action. Well, actually, that's not true. Uh, Sometimes it is iterative. Now, you've heard people say from time to time, and I reiterate. Well, iteration is symbolized by a dot, and reiteration is dot, 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 like the old dot matrix printers that the dots were so close that it looked like a continual line. As a matter of fact, a short deviation here in digression, I believe in Ephesians chapter 5 when it talks about being filled with the Spirit. Yes, the ideal is continuous, but the reality is it is more iterative. That is dot, 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 and sometimes the dots are too far apart, and God has to discipline us to bring us back to the Spirit-controlled life. What I'm saying is, if we will continually seek the face of God and keep on asking and keep on knocking, God will not hide His will from us. God is not trying to play hide-and-go-seek about 
out His direction for our lives. God wants you to know His will. He wants you to know His direction. And God will speak to you sometimes through events, sometimes through circumstances, sometimes in a still, small voice, sometimes in an earthquake, sometimes through lightning. And I don't mean that literally. I mean that in a figurative, metaphorical sense. God speaks to us in a number of ways through His Spirit into our lives. But will we know when it is the voice of God? Yes. And the more we submit ourselves and delight ourselves in Him and submit ourselves to Him, we will be able to discern very distinctively the voice of God. Now, I had this experience as a young boy, as many of you know. Uh, My mother uh, left us when I was seven years old, and uh, we were uh, left alone. Uh, Dad left uh, not uh, long after that, and while he was with us, his heart was broken, and he was not uh, altogether with us at times, and and our godly grandmother raised us, and I'm so grateful for that and the experiences that we had growing up. But after I had been with my grandmother for a while, I had not seen my mother in years, and her father, my grandfather, died, who had been away for years and years and years. He had been away for 35 years. I had only seen him one time in my life, and uh, he died, and at age 12, 13 or so, I was so excited, not for my grandfather dying, although I did not know him. Uh, I was grieving because my grandmother was, and they had lived apart so long as he was sick and in another place and in another totally different city and part of our state. And uh, my grandmother was grieved over that. And so I hurt for her. But I was excited because I knew for the first time in years, I'd get to see my mother. And actually, I hadn't seen her in so long, I'd forgotten what she looked like. And I began to be apprehensive because I thought, I remember mama's face and I remember what she looked like, but time has passed. Will I know her? And so I began to be apprehensive about it. And so, uh, so when we went to the funeral home that night, I was looking around for is very crowded and I could not see my mother and any woman who looked like her and I began to be even more apprehensive and as I looked around that crowded room I just finally slinked over into the corner and was totally dismayed and I heard a voice on the other side of the room say Tony Tony is that you and when I turned around I did not see my mother but I knew it was her because I heard her voice And even though I had not heard my mother's voice in years, I knew distinctively the tone of her voice and the way she said my name, that that was my mother and no one else. And she kept saying, Tony, and I was uh, short at that time, and there were a lot of people in the room, and I could not see her, but I kept walking toward her voice, and then the people parted when they saw I was trying to get to her, and there she was, and we ran, embraced one another, and I cannot tell you the joy that was in my heart to be reunited for my mother, even though it was just to be for a very short time. But what I'm saying to you is I knew my mother's voice. I hadn't heard it in years, but I will never forget my mother's voice. I can still hear it in my mind today. And I look forward to going to heaven and to seeing my mother because my mom came to know Jesus. My dad came to know Jesus and they're in heaven today. And one day I will see them and I will not only know her as my mother, I will know her just like she was known on this earth by God himself. But you know your mother's voice. You know your father 
father's voice. You say, how do you know that? Because I've heard it and it's distinctive. Well, the same thing is true for the child of God. Once you hear the voice of God, you will know the voice of God and its distinctions. But the Bible always gives us an objective source, not just a subjective source, that inner voice, but God gives us his divine word, the scriptures. And if it is the voice of God, the voice of God will never speak to you and tell you anything, say anything to you that is contrary to the objective truth of the Holy Bible. God will always speak to you in the same voice he speaks through the Bible. And the written word and the living word will always be in harmony one with the other. So if you hear a voice, no matter how familiar it might sound, if that voice goes against and is contrary to the written word of God, then it's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's not the voice of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. It is not our Heavenly Father because he will only say what he is already spoken in his word and never will he contradict that. Now, God may give you direction. God may specify something. God might lead you in a way, but it will always be in coordination with the word of God. The word of God is called the logos. That's the word of God in general. But there is another word for the prophetic specific word to a specific occasion, and that's the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And that is what is spoken about in Romans chapter 10, where it says that faith comes by hearing, that is by listening, and that hearing by the word, by the rhema of God. That is, you can read the Logos over and over again, but you and I know that there comes a point when the Logos becomes the rhema, and passages we have read over and over again, or words we've heard over and over again, we listen to them and we say, that's the voice of God to me, and God specifically is speaking to me. Well, that word's been there all along, but God makes it real to your heart, and that realness, that authenticity, that sense of God's specific voice is what the Bible calls rhema. So can you know the voice of God? Of course you can. Can you hear the voice of God inwardly? Of course you can. And the more you delight yourself in him, not only the more often will you see and hear the voice of God, but you will hear it more distinctively and clearly and be able to discern when it's God and when it's not. I often say this is the voice of God. Well, how do you know? Because it is clearly taught in the word of God and that is the way of God and God's voice is all always clear to discern when it is in line with the words that he's spoken in scripture. Let's walk together on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.